people of Earth, we have come to upgrade your cosmic consciousness. DNA activation ready in three, two, one. Hi, welcome to Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership. I'm Craig Anderson. And I'm Lou Quinto. Lou, today we are going to talk about building a leadership team. What does it take? How do you start making the decisions? And how do you make sure that it's going to be a positive experience for everybody involved? So it's, it's probably the most important thing you do when you're starting a business and your business is growing or when you move into a new role and you're taking a look at your leadership yeah. team and there may be spots for you to fill. Um, it's, it kind of goes back to that idea of uh, hire slow, fire fast. Right. You really don't want to get to the fire fast part about it. So let's make the right decisions up front. So, but when you do what, have to fire, you need to fire fast. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And, and you yeah. have experience doing that. So that's, that's a whole different podcast. We can cover that one sometime <laughs> later. Someday in the dark of winter when we're feeling ornery and mean, we'll talk about that. So What's, it, what's well, to say I'm not in the mood of doing that right now? <laughs> <laughs> Could be been a day. All right. Well, Lou, why don't you kick us off and talk about, you know, some of the th things to think about as you're getting ready to build out that leadership team? Well, the first thing, Craig, and, and, and you said it is if it's your own business and you're building that business out and you need to hire new people, or even if it's you've taken over a new position within an organization and you've got to build that leadership team around it. First thing you need to do is you need to do a great needs assessment of what skills do you need in order for your company or for your your department or your team project, whatever it may be, to really be firing on all cylinders. And a lot of times we don't really take that needs assessment. We put people into place, uh, I find, that are great people, but they just didn't have the skills that we specifically need for this position. And it goes back to those job descriptions. You know, we've taken, I, I think. I remember working uh, at a company once where I took over a position and I, the first thing I did was looked at all the job descriptions to see if the job descriptions actually met the functions of what I needed on that particular team. And I found that in many instances, some, the job descriptions didn't match at all what functions were specifically needed. It was, in fact, they probably hadn't been revised for 20 years. And so the first thing I had to do was actually go through and look at the functions and then based on the functions, put together the job descriptions because any good leader knows you need to surround yourself with people who know more than you do in specific areas. So that this way you don't have to be the person who can do everything. You need to surround yourself with people who can do that. So in building that leadership team, team. It's that needs assessment and the qualification or the job descriptions that go with it to make sure that they mesh together. And then you can start looking for your people. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things you have to really start that process with is taking a good hard look at yourself and being honest with yourself about where you're going to spend your time, where your skills are, where you need that complementary strength on the team and right. having a well-rounded team, not just from a skill set perspective, but from even doing some assessments to figure out where people's strengths are and where their energies are to really make sure you've got a well-rounded team. A well-rounded team is going to move your business further faster right. than a team with a lot of holes or a team you're constantly having to make a bunch of adjustments to, don't yeah. you think? Am I quite, I mean, why don't, isn't this common sense? Why don't people do this more often? 
Well, you know, it's, I think one, people issues are hard and people don't want to make tough decisions right out of the gate. And that's not always the right thing. You know, Jim Collins said, you know, in good to great, which I overquote on this show, I'm just be honest. Is that the only the book I, you've ever read? <laughs> apparently the only book I ever retained. Uh, so, but that idea of getting the right people in the right seats on the bus, but the other piece of that that nobody ever quotes is and get the wrong people off the bus. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's another piece of this. So right. it's, but those decisions are tough and you don't, you come in, you don't want to rock the boat. Sure. But, you know, making those decisions are a crucial piece well, of the process. And, it, and it, go, it goes back to that, you know, particularly if you're starting off a company and it's a small company. I mean, everybody's a helper. Everyone wants to do the same thing. But, you know, you reach that tipping point where you don't need a bunch of helpers around. You need people who are going to really be in charge. They're going to do what they need to do based upon what their job calls for. And for many entrepreneurs, that's a tough thing is because they're letting go. That's actually letting go when oh, yeah. you're getting people and putting them into positions to do what you used to do when you first started. Right, which is a great segue into the next topic, which is this idea of building a deliberate process. And part of that starts with, getting really clear on what you want the company to be and what the job needs to be so that they can get aligned with your vision. Right. right. Yeah. It goes back to the mission, mission and vision uh, of whether it be the company or whether it be the project or whatever it is. Uh, you've got to have that deliberate process because not only do people have to have the technical skills, but as you and I both know, you can have someone with great technical skills, but they don't have the the values of the company, uh, you know, they, they treat people not the way that we want to in a company to treat people. And you've got to be able to put that deliberate process together to be able to. So there are a lot of moving parts, basically. And you need to make sure by having a formal process that all of those moving parts are being satisfied. Yeah. And to go back to something you were just talking about with job descriptions in the in the first segment, I love to get a job description just rewritten right out of the gate. Or if you're starting it new, that aligns a lot with when I talk about with the one page business plan is a one page job description. And it's very yeah. similar. You know, what's the mission? What do I want this position to look like in three mm -hmm. years or the department they're going to lead? Right. What, you know, why does it exist? What are the measurable goals? How do I want them to do things? And what do I want them to prioritize? Right. And if you get all that one, everybody who's applying for it actually fully understands what it is they're supposed to be doing. Right. And, Two, that builds that alignment into the culture. Right, right. And I don't think most job descriptions do any of that. No, 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 no. And a lot of people may initially think, well, I don't have time to go through job descriptions and recreate job descriptions and things like that. You don't have to. What you do is you let everybody, I want you to write a job description based upon what you currently do. Here's the one that you originally signed up for. There may be a lot of stuff on here that you don't do at all. Yeah. And I want you to take a red pen and I want you to take it out. And I want you to put on there specifically, what do I pay you to do? Or what does the company pay you to do? Okay, when you get your paycheck, how did you earn it? And letting people actually take that ownership of writing that job description for you, that first draft that you can then go through and put the pieces together on a big board. So, so hopefully that doesn't come back from your employees and say, sits in meetings 30 hours a week, <laughs> which would be the best part. What about when you're getting in there with the interview process? For me, I always like to have a consistent set of questions that I make sure I hit on, right. and then it kind of goes where it goes. But you really want to have that comparison so you're 
you kind of comparing oranges and well, oranges and apples. I've got that. Messed no, up. you want apples oranges. And oranges. And oranges. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it goes back to formal decision making. I mean, if you have a different set of questions for each person that you're interviewing, you've got two different interviews and you've looked at each person differently as opposed to trying to look at everybody the same way with the answers to those same questions. I mean, I've come into that experience when I've been working with uh, different companies and helping them with their hiring process. And it, most companies, I think these days, you have to get interviewed by three or four people before a job offer is, is done. And a lot of times I would be asked to come in and to facilitate that meeting to make that decision or help that group make that decision. And all within five minutes, someone at the table inevitably as they're starting to talk about these, all these people or, or this one person in example, they'll, they'll say, did we all interview the same person? And it's because they didn't, they all looked at that person from different angles mm -hmm. and they weren't able to come up with a unified, clear cut, this is who that person is. Yeah. Now I did like to have, when I, as the leadership team grew and I was bringing a new person on, I like to have each person on the team interview and kind of focus on one area. Right. So that we get some different perspectives based on the way they work with them. But you're right. If if you're kind of all over the place, you're really all over the place. Sure. And you really want to come out of that with a consistent discussion around the table with everybody. Right. I'd like that idea, right? Yeah. It, well, and, and that takes planning. I mean, if you coordinate that up front, then when you everyone's done the interview, one, they're prepared to do the interview because in many instances, you know, okay, at 10 o'clock, you're interviewing Harry and it's like, okay, and they look at Harry's resume. So tell me about uh, your involvement uh, in the, you know, the key club. It's like, okay, there's no preparation there at all. Right. There needs to be, maybe not asking the same questions, but the questions that are going to be asked have to, has to be around a nucleus of common issues or common things that you're looking for. You might almost say that you want to be intentional about it. Wow. You <laughs> used the word on me. Absolutely. Yes. You need to be intentional. There, and there has to be intentional, like, particularly today with, you know, virtual interviews and things like that. I mean, it's not like you have everyone and you can call everyone into a, you know, a room real quick and say, okay, tomorrow we got so-and-so we're interviewing. This is the time schedule. It, you, you're going to be interviewing this person by yourself on the phone, you know, on a Zoom call and everything. There sure. was a Jacqueline when she uh, talked to us about the, the hiring and she was telling us that, you know, this poor person that was being hired for a job spent eight hours on Zoom calls, just going from one Zoom call to the next being interviewed yeah. by that person or different people. So, but yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give it to you. It Thank you. Intentional. <laughs> Since I've only ever read one book, I've got to get my credits where I can. So now, now we've got them hired. And we've got right. to bring them in. Right. We talked onboarding. a little before. Yeah, onboarding. onboarding. So and what's that important? Is, onboarding is one of the most overlooked areas because after you, you, know, you make the decision, you make the offer, they accept, everybody just goes, oh, thank God, we got somebody. And yeah. we really don't spend time onboarding. And if you don't have, and not just from a, a um, not just from a, a qualification aspect, but when that person to onboard them, do they have the right tools to begin doing their job immediately? With so many companies I work with, I, I hear horror stories. 
if security badges are necessary at the company. They weren't applied for ahead of time and the person has to be met at the door on their very first day. What a great welcome. You have, you know, you have to be dragged in like a guest, okay? You got to sign the book and you got to get your temporary name tag. Uh, Equipment. Do they have a PC or is there a desk available for that particular person? Is there a phone available? That's all part of that onboarding system. And if you overlook that onboarding system, a person starts off on the wrong foot and they just get the wrong feelings about the company that, they, that they're joining because you didn't take the time to intentionally prepare for them to come on board. Yeah, and I think another piece that's that I really tried to get to and never quite got to before we sold the last business was really to put together almost a welcome kit too, not right. just on some of the things you're talking about, but cultural touchstones and some other pieces for them to kind of understand, you know, here's the team I'm coming up, coming into, right. you know, maybe that's a t-shirt, maybe it's, there was one company that had to do great job love swag right <laughs> and they all got like a key to the office and it was all very fancy you know like kind of on those old motel room you know right. big keys. Yes. so I, there's I a lot of things i, I think you can I, do. I, that that's before my time i don't remember those <laughs> so yeah but it's really important you want them to feel like they're welcome and right. it's been many times where the job where i've started and i'm just kind of plopped down somewhere and then the people come around like you know you're the 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 you know albino substitute teacher yeah (laughs) everybody kind of looks as they walk by to see who's there so it's yeah who's the new guy and how scary does he look oh can't tell his backs to the door so (laughs) yeah these are important things to think about and setting up that tour and making sure they're touching off with the right people Mm -hmm. and getting all that integration for them i think is a crucial piece well in addition to that not just meeting the right people but to have a beginning of their work Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, as, you know, as opposed to I'm going to sit at a desk and read the HR manual for the first two days that I'm here and yeah. fill out all the paperwork. You know that that is a lot of a lot of onboarding for a lot of companies. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really making it more of an event and really planning it out is what's really going to help your new leader come right. in so they can hit the ground running. So yeah. great. Well, what are your key takeaways today, Lou? We need to be more intentional (laughs) about creating our leadership team that we put around us. No, I'm joking, but I'm I'm honest. You've got to plan this out. You've got to plan out. You've you've got to do the needs analysis. You've got to make sure that you know you you've been intentional in your interviewing process. The the onboarding. I would say Mike is is that onboarding piece. Is that we miss the boat so many times in companies by not having a good onboarding process. The first couple days are spent just doing HR stuff. You want that person to come in and you want them to literally dive into the deep end of the organization, meet the right people, you know, go out to lunch with the, the, the vice president or something like that to make them feel at home, welcome from day one. Great. Well, I think I'm going to come away with this idea of really getting those job descriptions. I liked what you said about having the people in the job descriptions rewrite them so you know exactly what it is that they're doing so that someday when you promote someone out of that role and you need to bring someone else in, you've got a much more realistic view of what the job is. So especially from that perspective. I would bet you that if you went into any company, okay, I'm going to talk, pretend COVID's not here. 
and say, I want everybody to hand me their job description in the next five minutes. Yep. I would say 99% of the people couldn't even put their hands on their job description. Right, right. No, you're right. And I don't think they really apply. They may, they may be conceptually what we think they're going to be. Right. But then there's the reality of what your job does, especially now when things are moving so fast. So yeah, yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. Well, very good. You want to bring us out, Lou? Yeah. So if you've enjoyed uh, today's episode of Q&A on Breakthrough Leadership about creating and establishing your leadership team, uh, please go ahead and like, share. Uh, this episode with people. Uh, if you want also, if you don't like to look at Craig and I, even though I wore a tie today, uh, you can go ahead and listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. So until next time, keep your hands washed, keep your distance. I'm Lou Quinto. And I'm Craig Anderson. 